Turn to the Pew Bible to page 100, sorry, 1095, if you would, 1095, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, and I'll read the verses 12 through 16. Luke 5, 12 through 16. Listen to the Word of God. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Children, I want you this morning to imagine what it would be like for this man to be a leper. We don't know what his leprosy was because the Word takes in all kinds of skin diseases. Perhaps he could never sleep because he was itchy all night long. Or maybe his leprosy was worse than that. Perhaps he had lost some of his toes or a few of his fingers and was in pain. Leprosy was not a very pleasant illness or disease to have. But the thing that made leprosy even worse than all of the physical pain or irritation that his body might feel was that a leper couldn't hang around other people. And so if it was his little child's birthday, he couldn't be there for the party when all the grandparents and friends came over. He couldn't work with other people. He could never hug his wife. He could never go to worship with his family because he was unclean. Everyone thought evil of lepers, or most people did anyways. There was a lot of superstition around them. They thought, that is, people thought that a leper was under the judgment of God. That's why he had leprosy. And so people would want to stay far away from lepers for fear that they themselves would be uh, lepers too. But it wasn't just that people wanted to stay away from lepers. It was also true that lepers had to stay away from people. This is what God said in Leviticus chapter 13. He said there, "...the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes..." And let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And so it was a very unpleasant life for a man who was a leper. 
You wouldn't want to be a leper yourself, nor would you want anyone you love to have that disease. In fact, it was said of lepers that their existence was a living death. No one would want to be a leper. And yet the fact of the matter is that we are all lepers. Some of you children might be looking at your skin to see if there's any rashes or irritations developing, but no, we are all lepers. In fact, the leprosy that we have is worse than the leprosy that the leper had, because the leprosy the leper in Luke's gospel had would only affect his body and would only be temporary for a while, only as long as he lived. But the leprosy that we have doesn't so much touch our body, though it has effects there as well, but it touches our soul. And the ramifications of our leprosy are not just for as long as we live, but it is eternal. Now, you might have guessed by now that the leprosy that I'm speaking about is the leprosy of sin. And notice how the prophet Isaiah speaks about sinners from Isaiah 1, verse 6, from the sole of his foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. That's how the Bible describes us as sinners, ruined by the fall, broken, sin, sick, diseased because of sin. In fact, we are like lepers. And when you think about it, it really is quite an appropriate illustration of the human heart. Because a leper knew that he was a leper. Well, how did a leper know that he was a leper? Well, he knew he was a leper by the law of God. And so if he saw a growth on his hand or on his arm, then he would go to the priest, and the priest would look at it and study it, and then consult the manual of dermatology that you find in Leviticus 13 and 14, and he would say to the man, yes, this is leprosy, you are unclean. So the law diagnosed his disease. And that's the same thing with us. How do we know that we're sinners? It's not because we feel that we are nor is a man not a sinner because he feels that he isn't. It's the law of God that tells us. We, we take ourselves to the Scriptures. We see what, what uh, constitutes wholeness, recognize that we don't measure up to the standard of God, and so we're diseased, we're sick, we're sinners, we're lepers. The law tells us that. But you may think, well, we're not like lepers because we don't have to go around covering our mouth and crying out, unclean, unclean. We don't have to come to church this morning wearing torn clothes or our hair being hang, or hanging loose. In fact, you look very nice this morning. So, so what do you mean we're lepers? Well, think about it this way. When a leper came into contact with another leper, he didn't have to cry out, unclean, unclean because they were all in the same boat, or, or if you would, they were all in the same camp. They were all lepers. But it was when the unclean came into the presence of the clean that they would have to cry out. So that for our situation, it's like this. It's not a problem for us to be with one another because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's when we come into the presence of the holy 
When we come into the presence of the clean, that we must then cry out, unclean, unclean. This is the very thing that we see in Scripture. In the year that Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He has this audio-visual, sensual presentation of the holiness of God, of his cleanness, his purity, his otherness. As the seraphim cry out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when Isaiah sees this, he falls down. He says, woe is me. And listen to what he says. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the Lord of glory. When you come into the presence of the clean, the only response is to say, Unclean, unclean. And that's not just the Old Testament. Last Lord's Day, Luke 5 was read in your hearing. And when Peter, when he caught such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking at the command of the Lord Jesus, Peter had this glimpse of the Lord Jesus, this It was like the curtain was being pulled back. He recognized that the Lord Jesus wasn't just like him or like any other person, that he is a holy one, he's glorious, he's majestic, he's indescribably grand. And Peter runs up to him, falls down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Unclean, unclean, stay away, for I am a leper. So when you think about it, it is an an apt illustration. That's what we are, lepers. And understanding what this man went through, you can understand why he came to Jesus the way he did. The law couldn't help him. The law just condemned him to a life of isolation and ridicule and scorn. Nothing could cure him. And so he comes to Jesus. He falls on his face. He breaks all social social rules, because remember, he wasn't supposed to be in the presence of the unclean, but he breaks those rules. He falls on his face before Jesus, and he begs him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You get why he comes with such urgency, don't you? And if you get why he comes with such urgency, you understand why we should come to the Lord Jesus with such urgency. We should cry out to him, said, Lord, make us clean. Notice, notice the leper didn't ask for healing. He asked for cleansing. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And that's what we ought to do as well. Knowing ourselves as sinners, as lepers, we need to run to the Lord Jesus Christ and plead for his mercy upon us. But enough of the leper and enough about us. Let's secondly look at the Lord Jesus in this encounter. Isn't it far more pleasant looking at the Lord Jesus than it is looking at ourselves? 
The first thing I want to notice is what Jesus does not say. So this man comes up to him and fall on his face, begs him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus doesn't dispute the fact that he is able to cleanse this leper. Because he is able. And the leper knew it. There was no doubt about this in his mind because the news of Jesus had spread far and wide. That he spoke and unclean spirits came out of people. That, that everyone would come with their infirmities and Jesus would heal them. I mean, Jesus' popularity was massive. And perhaps this leper had heard Jesus speak at the synagogue in Nazareth in, in Luke chapter 4 where, where Jesus said that uh, in the days of Elisha, a leper came to him for cleansing Naaman the Syrian and he was cleansed. And so maybe he thought, well, if Jesus is a prophet like Elisha, then I, being a leper like Naaman, where else could I better go than to the prophet who can clean me? And so the fame of the Lord Jesus was everywhere. He was able to heal and to cleanse. And that's the truth about his ability for us as sinners too. He's able to save us from our sins. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, for what the law could not do and that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to become sin for us, so that Christ is able to do what the law could never do. The law can condemn, but Christ is able to save to the uttermost all who come to God through him. He's able to save. Jesus doesn't dispute that at all. He doesn't say, well, it all depends on your circumstances. It all depends on how long you've had leprosy. It all depends on how bad your leprosy is. No, Jesus doesn't ask any of those diagnostic questions because there's no doubt in his mind either. He is able to cleanse. He can. But the question that uh, the leper had is whether Jesus was willing to cleanse him. And you might well understand why he might have those hesitations because... Uh, no one else cared for him. Everyone else ostracized him. He was, after all, one of the great untouchables. Who would care for someone like him? He was just a leper, after all. Kept from all human society and human interaction. Why would Jesus care for him? And that's how you might think, too, about the Lord Jesus. It's not that you doubt that he's able to save, because he is, after all, the God-man, and he's infinite, and so his death on behalf of sinners has an infinite value, that it can cleanse an infinity of sinners. But would he? Would he heal me? Would he? Does he care for me? I mean, there, there's… There's that question that can come sometimes in the mind of people, not because of Jesus, but because of who I am, because of my sins, my failures, my shortcomings. It's not that my sins are, are minor or insignificant. No, some of them are pretty long-standing. 
Some of them are, are pretty heinous that, that you wouldn't want anyone else to know about them at all. Some of the thoughts that flit through your mind, some of the things that you covet. No, you don't want anyone to know. They're bad. You know they're bad. And so would Jesus want anything to do with me? That's the question that you might ask. There's something right about that. Because if you think that it's perfectly normal and natural for Jesus to save sinners, well, well, then you haven't really understood that you're a sinner because it isn't normal and natural. What we deserve is judgment. That, and if we are saved, it's mercy, pure mercy, unobligated, uncoerced mercy. But it's not just those thoughts that arise in our own minds. Sometimes those are the thoughts that Satan puts into our minds. There's no way you could ever go to Jesus like that. Do you realize what you did last night? If you have a better track record of not engaging in sexual immorality, like if you're clean for one or two or three weeks, then, then maybe Jesus will hear you. Or, or if you have some success over gossip, then he'd be more willing. Or, or maybe uh, if you've read your Bible consistently for a month and spent 10 minutes a day in prayer, then perhaps the chances of Jesus being willing are much greater. Have you ever reasoned that way or heard those temptations to reason that way in your own heart and mind? Well, let's look at Jesus. What does Jesus say? The first thing that we read about Jesus in verse 13, when this man says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, is that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, that's just a marvelous picture, don't you think? Because he's a leper, of course, the untouchable. But Jesus is the toucher of the untouchables. It's such an expression of compassion, of of pity, such a warm-hearted expression. Jesus didn't have to touch him. That's, in fact, if you, if you read the text, that's not what healed him. It was the, the words of the Lord Jesus that healed him. But the touch was such a, a loving expression of compassion and a loving expression of identification because you know what Jesus was doing when he was touching this leper? Because if you touch the leper, the normal way was that you would become unclean. Not in the case of Jesus, of course, because his purity is able to counteract all impurity. But what Jesus was saying by touching the leper was this, I am willing to become like you so that you're willing, so that you're able to become like me. It's this identification with sinners. His, his willingness not just to come down and be with them, That's grand in itself, but to be considered as if he himself were like them. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that Jesus was considered, as Luther said, the greatest sinner the world has ever known. He was as pure as pure could be, as sinless as sinless could be. But when he identifies himself with us, when he touches us, when he reaches out his arms and embraces us, he's saying, I am willing to be considered a sinner like you and bear the consequences of that sin. 
So, so loving of our Lord Jesus to reach out his hand and to touch this leper. And then he says something. He says, I will. Isn't that marvelous? Doesn't ask for any of the conditions. Doesn't say, tell me uh, your situation. I'll see if I can handle this. No, I will. Put aside your doubts. Put away your misapprehensions of the Lord Jesus. That he might somehow, for some reason, not want anything to do with you. Of course I will. I will, he says. Here is a, here's an insight into the tender heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. His, his love for sinners. His readiness to save them. I will, he says. Don't doubt any longer. I will make you clean. And then he speaks. Be clean. And notice that it was immediately after he spoke that the leprosy left the man. There is power in the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will be clean. Remember what it said uh, earlier in Luke's gospel in chapter 4 where Jesus is driving out demons, and it says there in Luke 4, verse 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out, and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. He speaks with such authority. He's able to say, be clean. And immediately the contagion of leprosy is gone. We sang about this, didn't we? In, in uh, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Has Done. Listen to this from uh, the second stanza, I believe. He says, The vilest offender who truly believes the, that moment from Jesus forgiveness receives. It's a, it doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is willing to save you. And when he's willing to save you, he says, Be clean. And at that very moment, the vilest offender... Forgiveness receives. He's a great Savior, able and willing to save. Some of you mothers, sometimes when you're baking your little children, say, can I help you, mommy? And you just love their heart because you know that uh, it's quite possible that in about 15 years, they won't be asking that question anymore. And they say, can we help you? Can I help you, mommy? And you say, sure you can, but you, you know they can't really help you. It just adds to your work. It just makes the process that much longer. But you love the heart of compassion and love. They want to help, even if they can't. And then there are others, sometimes older children. They're able to help, but they don't want to. And you like people who are willing but unable, better than people who are able but unwilling. But the wonderful thing about the Lord Jesus is you don't have to decide. Shall I, shall I go to him because he's willing, even though he can't really help me? Shall I go to him because he's able, though I'm unsure whether he wants to help me? No, you go to Jesus as you are and know he's able and he's willing to help you. And then Jesus says to this man, in verse 14, he charged him to tell no one. 
Now, that, that's always puzzled Christians. That's probably the, most, uh, the question I've been most often asked throughout my ministry. Why does Jesus not want people to know? It seems that cross-purposes with his mission. We're told, actually, to go to all the nations, telling them everything that Jesus has done. But so often in the Gospels, Jesus tells people not to say anything about what he has done. What's going on here? Well, it gives us, again, an insight into the ministry of our Lord Jesus. So Jesus' ministry was a ministry of humiliation, a ministry of suffering. This is uh, what Isaiah says in Isaiah 42. He says that um, the Lord is going to put his spirit upon him. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. So that Jesus comes kind of hidden, incognito, not bombastically, with a full display of his glory. Occasionally you see glimpses of his glory, but most often he comes under the radar as it is. And he has to come that way because if he comes in any other way, he's going to be misunderstood at least for sure before the cross. The Romans are going to think that he's a usurper. The Jews are going to think that that he's just a miracle worker. And so people will misunderstand Jesus unless they see him in light of the cross as the suffering servant, the one upon whom God laid the iniquities of his people. You see, Jesus was able to cleanse this fellow not simply because he was God and powerful, but because he was the God-man who in his power embraced weakness and went to the cross, to the death of the cross. And so until you understand the cross, that Jesus' ministry was not through confidence and arrogance and power, but through weakness and humiliation, until you understand what Jesus did at the cross, you don't understand the Lord Jesus at all. That's why Jesus is saying throughout the Gospels, don't tell anyone about my miracles because they'll think I'm just a miracle worker and they'll fail to understand that what I offer, I can only offer because I became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world on the cross. So Jesus is able and willing to save because he is the suffering servant of the Lord. And then he gives one more instruction to this man, this former leper. He says, go make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. So remember, children, I said that the way you knew if you had leprosy is if you saw a spot on your body, you would go to the priest and he would consult the law and say, yes or no, you have leprosy. And, and if you had leprosy, then you would have to be an outcast. But say, after three weeks, that spot goes away. You say, well, that's pretty interesting. Let me go to the priest and see if my leprosy is gone. And the priest would look at your hand, look at the spot, consult again the law of God, and say, yes, you are cleansed. So the law could, could determine, uh, diagnose you as a leper. It could determine whether your leprosy is gone. It just couldn't cure your leprosy. And Jesus is saying, what I want you to do now, leper, you've been to the priest already. He's told you you're a leper. I want you to go back and let him see what I have done. 
so that the law, though it could condemn and could not deliver, the law does tell me whether I am free from my leprosy. And I want you to go to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Because the law of God throughout the history of God's people was always intended to point forward to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who can deliver us from the condemnation of the law, whether it's because of leprosy or because of sin. So go to them and tell them that you're cleansed and that I have done it as the fulfillment of the law. So here's the Lord Jesus, a wonderful Savior, able and willing to save sinners because He is the sacrifice for sin to which all the Scriptures point. And we read there in verse 15, but now even more the report about Him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear Him and to be healed of their infirmities. And listen to this. This is so fascinating. But He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Remember where the leper had to be because of his leprosy. He had to be in desolate places. Jesus trades places with the leper. He goes to where the leper should be, and the leper can go wherever the leper wants to go now because Jesus, by his ministry to the leper, cured him, and he cured him by trading places with him taking his leprosy and giving him his wholeness, just as he trades places with sinners, taking our sins and giving us his perfection. And everyone heard about this, and great crowds gathered to hear him. You know, great crowd is gathered this morning, and I trust that you gather this morning to hear Jesus. You say, well, he's not here. Oh, yes, he is. He's here by his Spirit, and he is speaking to you this morning. He's saying to sinners who come to him, I will be clean. In fact, this is the great thing, that it's not the physical touch that healed him. If that were required, then we would be out of luck, as they say, because Jesus can't touch you physically because he's in heaven. But because he's present by his spirit, he can speak to you, and he can say, I will be clean. So let me urge you, all of you, to come to the Lord Jesus. If you you die unsaved, you know, with no cleansing for your sins, it's not because Jesus was unwilling to save you. Not a chance. He is. He tells you that this morning. And he speaks to those who come to him and say, says, I will be clean. Well, how do you come to him? You come to him like the leper came to him. You acknowledge your own leprosy. The law condemns you. You acknowledge that there's no one and nothing that can ever deliver you from the condemnation of the law. And you throw yourself at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And you ask him, Lord, I heard you can. Are you willing to make me clean? And he says, I will be clean. There's no Savior 
like our Savior. Let's pray. Gracious, glorious God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And our dear Lord Jesus, how we love you and thank you that you are willing to become like us so that we could be like you. That you would be considered a leper so that we would be cleansed. That you went to the cross considered a sinner so that we would be saved. We glory in your grace and goodness. We pray that you would work in the hearts of all who hear, that they might have ears to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus, inviting them to come, to fall down, to plead for mercy, in the confidence that it's mercy they'll receive. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.